John's Gospel, chapter 6, I'm going to be there here in a moment, but let me define a miracle for you because that's today's subject matter, how a miracle happens. A miracle is when God intervenes to meet a need that man cannot, where we just fall short. One thing about all miracles, every single one of them have this in common. There's a need or a problem that we as humanity do not have a solution or an answer for. We have come to the end of ourselves, and therefore we need divine intervention. And this is where God steps into our lives. The account of feeding the 5,000 is recorded in all four Gospels. It's in Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke chapter 9, and here in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Let's take our text this morning and go through this miracle. After these things... Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because uh, they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his, his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But that, but this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here with five uh, barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now, there was a, uh, much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. And so when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up. And uh, filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. And God bless the reading of his word. Can I get an amen? As I stated, each and every gospel writer recorded this miracle and uh, if you put them all together, you really get the complete story. And I liken that to if four of us went to go climb Mount Everest and, and one took the north side and one took the south side, one took the east and one took the west. And we began our journey and we met at the top of the mountain and we journaled while we traveled. When you put all four journal accounts together, you get a complete picture of the mountain. And that's the way it is with biblical truth is that each writer had an assignment. And when you put all the assignments together, you get the complete picture of this miracle. So in order to really understand and value everything that took place at this moment when man was at an impasse and could not meet a need that God wanted to, to meet, then you have to read all the accounts. And I encourage you to do that. So go. You know, in your own time, go back and read Matthew and Mark and Luke's account, and it will bless you, and it will fill in gaps in the story. And and today, I'm going to do that in, in part of my message, but I always want to encourage you that when people say that the Bible contradicts itself, I, I, I don't believe that. I think the Bible completes itself. 
And when you take one truth and you add it to another truth, then you see things more clearly. And, and that is the importance of having two and three witnesses to establish a truth. You know, one testimony is good. You get another testimony of God's intervention, another testimony of God's intervention. Then you really begin to build a solid case. And, and that's a good way to read your Bible, to understand what the Bible is saying to you, because the Bible is God talking to us. And God is still a miracle working God. Miracles have not ceased, but there's a way that miracles happen. And I, I believe sometimes that we know our God is a miracle working God. We just don't know how he does what he does. But within this, this uh, story, we can see how God does what he does. We can understand in, in another way to put it is we can understand God's ways. Everybody say God's ways. So God's will is to meet our needs. Would you agree with that? God's will is to meet our needs. Sometimes we just don't know the way he's going to meet those needs. And so we, we, you know, we do a lot of things to try to help God. Is that only me? Are you God's helper at times? You know what I mean? Like helping him to do it your way on your timeline in a way that seems to be the the best to meet the need that you have, but he just doesn't work that way. So let's discover how he does work and let's understand some of his ways. I want to give you a written definition so that you can take notes here of how a biblical miracle or how a miracle happens and then we're going to break it down. So here it goes. When there is a recognizable need that man cannot meet, and each person understands their role and is willing to give their all, regardless of the odds, Jesus does a miracle. I want to say that again. When there is a recognizable need that man cannot meet, and each person understands their role and is willing to give their all, regardless of the odds, Jesus works a miracle. Let's take the first phrase, when there is a recognizable need. So in this particular setting, people in the crowd were lost, sick, confused, scattered, hungry, in need of guidance and leadership, that they didn't know where those needs were going to be met. So they began to pursue and follow Jesus. So that is a really good picture of where a lot of people are in the world today. They need a miracle. Why? Because there's multitudes and multitudes of people that are lost, sick, confused, scattered, hungry, in need of guidance and leadership. It can be summed up in this way. There are a lot of people that are without a shepherd. There are a lot of people that are scattered that need to know about the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. So we are likened to sheep. So sheep are in this condition. Let me read the condition again. The condition of lost and hurting humanity is this. They have gone wayward. They have gone wayward. They are sick, both emotionally and physically and spiritually. They are confused. They don't know which way to go. They are scattered, which means that they're very timid and frightened about what's happening in the world. They're hungry for support, for relationship, for forgiveness, for a new beginning. They need guidance because they are like, uh, uh, you know, 
they think up is down and down is up. And there's a, there's a lot of people that today are confused about anything and everything as far as, you know, subject matters go in the world that we live in. And they need the truth. And the truth is something that God can provide for them. And there's a lot of people that, you know, are looking for good leadership. They need a shepherd in their life. So whenever there's this recognizable need and <clears throat> medical science can't can't take care of it and all the counseling in the world doesn't seem to cure it and uh, all the education, you know, doesn't enlighten someone enough to make a difference, then that person is at the end of themselves and they need God to intervene. And in, I, I believe that each and every one of us have been there. Some of you currently probably are there. And if not, there's going to come a day when you will be there. So even if this message isn't something for you today, pay attention because you're going to need it at some point in time. You're going to need it. So whenever there's a recognizable need, right, that man cannot meet, no one in the multitude of this vast sea of humanity could have saved the lost, healed the sick, gathered those who were scattered. No one had a hundred days wages laying around to feed this 5,000 people. That's how much 200 denarii is. So the average American works, you know, 20, 21 days, 22 days out of a month. So you're talking four and a half, five months wages. Just how many of you carry around four and a half or five months wages? Loose, loose pocket change for a lot of you, right? And you just pull it out and, you know, just start <laughs> counting it out. I mean, it's just, I mean, just cut me some, cut me 10 or 12 hundreds, Doug. All right. Yeah. And that's just, and uh, so most of us, you know, are not in that position. Neither was anybody else in this group. So don't think that, you know, a miracle can't happen because you don't have the money in your pocket to make it happen. It doesn't happen because you have the money in your pocket. If you had the money in your pocket, you wouldn't have a need. You wouldn't be at the end of yourself. You just go out and take care of everybody. I think Verndale does that every Sunday. Verndale just cuts out a few hundred and then he says, all right, kids, bring your friends. And he's got the, so God bless Verndale. But not all of us are Verndale. All right. So when there's a recognizable need that man cannot meet, no one in that crowd could feed the multitudes and no one could provide the guidance and the security, eternal security that each and every one of these people needed. Each person then must recognize their role. And uh, if a miracle is to be lost, this is where it happens. This is where it happens. The disciples suggested to Jesus what they believed he should do. So they believed that they had great counsel to give to Jesus. And this is, was their counsel. Send them home. <laughs> God, God, they've been following us around. And uh, we're, we're a lot more comfortable when it's just you and us. And uh, we feel a lot better about ourselves. But all of these stragglers have joined us. And so you didn't directly call them. They've just sort of joined the party. Would you just give them permission to leave the party and go home? Just tell them, hey, thanks for showing up. I'm here same time uh, tomorrow. You can come and hear my teaching and this was what they were implying is that we 
we now want our time with you and we don't have time for them. This is where a miracle can be lost. Is that Jesus, we want our time with you. Oh, sweet Jesus, we want our quiet time with you. We want our worship time with you. We want our prayer time with you. And, uh, but if people are sort of infringing on that time in our life, we're like, could you just send them away? Could you like have them go somewhere else because they're infringing on my time and our relationship and our sweet fellowship? So this is where Jesus flipped the script. And Jesus' response to their counsel was, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And then the second thing he asked them to do is, I need you to go among the crowd, the 5,000, and I need you to have them sit down in orderly ways. I need you to have them sit down in groups of 50 and 100 because God does things in orderly ways. And once everything was put into its proper place, and since God is a God of order, then God began to unfold a plan of how the miracle was going to manifest. Now, all of these are ways that miracles happen, but then there's a moment when the miracle manifests. There's a time and a place specifically where the miracle has a door to walk through and manifest. So when there is a recognizable need that man cannot meet, each person must recognize their role. So what Jesus was wanting was involvement, partnership, and cooperation from his disciples. That's what he he wanted and longed for us to be a part of it. We're not the provider, but we're part of the plan. We're part of how it happens. He includes us in this miracle, but let's not mistake that we are the miracle workers. But we're working for the miracle worker. We're partnering with him that can do a miracle. We're, we're looking for, for him to do the miracle while we're partnership and in cooperation with him. We always have to remember that our availability is what matters, not our ability. And this is where it gets lost. This is where a miracle can get lost is because we sometimes think we have to do something in our ability. Let me remind you, if it, you could have met the need, the need would have been met already. So the first thing to, to, to recognize is I don't have the means to meet this need. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't want to meet this need. I just need to understand that he's not waiting on my ability. He's waiting on my, avail, uh, my availability. God doesn't want me to flex my muscles. God wants me to watch him flex his muscles. Uh, when I was, was younger, remember ABC Wild Roller Sports where the, the guy going down the, the, the ski jump went off the side and you heard Jim McKay's voice and the, the tragedy, then he goes down the hill. And I, and, you know, I always think, you know, I wonder if he switched jobs after that or got a different vocation because, you know, like they showed that week after week. That was their opening clip, and he could probably not go to his local Walmart without getting razzed. Oh, yeah, you're the guy that fell off the ski lift on. So, but, but one of the things that, that they used to show on, on ABC Wild World, World of Sports was like the, the Mr. America, the Mr. Olympia, the Mr. Universe contest, remember that? And all the muscle men get up and, right? 
God's not asking us to be Charles Atlas. He's not asking us to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, right, and to do something in the flesh. But there is something he is asking us to do, and that is to partnership and cooperate with him. Let him flex his muscles. Let us, let's just watch him do his work. Uh, and it, it was always amazing when those, when those guys or those gals were up there flexing their muscles. My brother and I, my brother and I would have our own contest, right? We'd rip our shirts off and then, and then, you know, we'd do all that Charles Atlas fun, fun stuff. But, uh, we were no comparison to the, to the people that we were watching. And, and it's the same way. We're, we're no match, you know, for the devil, right? In and of our own strength, our own flesh, our own wit, we, we can't outpower the enemy. But with the power of God, we can. But we have to remember the power source is God. So each person does a role. And here's the next component. And everyone is willing to give their all regardless of the odds. I, I love this part of, of this particular mir- miracle because uh, I, I believe that when we act on the instructions or the word that Jesus is saying unto us and we're willing to give our all, what is our all? What is the all that we can give? It's our faith. So that's our part to play is to believe. All things are possible to them that believe. So we're to believe in the one who can do the miracle. We're to put our trust in him, we're to rely and depend on him, but it's he, he is the one who's doing it. But once again, he's doing it with us and we're doing it with him. There's a partnership, but we know our role in the partnership. It's not our ability. It's our availability. And, and that's once again, when I would say that's where miracles are lost is that we deflect all the responsibility to God. God, you just do that miracle. And he wants partnership so that someone can therefore give him glory. And we can participate in his glorious work. He wants us to be his disciples. So we're willing to give our all regardless of the odds. Uh, there was only one that we know of. There could have been others, but in, in the account, each account of this feeding of the 5,000, there was only one character among all the multitudes of people that didn't need a miracle. And it was the 12-year-old boy or the 10-year-old boy, what Scripture calls the young lad. And he had his lunch. I mean, he he wasn't going to go hungry. Maybe he was the, he was an Eagle Scout or a Boy Scout. He came prepared. I mean, there, and, and now he had, he had, he had his lunch and, uh, and he had a grassy spot to enjoy a picnic. And he didn't need anything. His needs were already supplied. But guess who got tapped on the shoulder? Guess who had to give everything? He had to give it all. He didn't give him one fish and half a, half a loaf of bread. He gave everything to him. He was willing to give his all. The one who, who didn't need anything was the one that God tapped on the shoulder and said, will you give everything? See, can you see where a miracle is lost? Would you, would you give everything? I, I know that you're okay and all of your needs are met and, and, 
and all your supplies are taken care of, but all these other people, they're, they're lost and hurting and they're confused and they're scattered and, and they need a miracle. Would you give that which you have so that others could experience the good shepherd and his leadership and guidance? Regardless of the odds, the math didn't make sense. Let, let's just say that he, he was, uh, uh, young Einstein and, and just had a mathematical probability running through his brain. And, and the math didn't make sense. So what was the only thing that he could give? His faith. His faith that I'm, I'm taking something out of, out of my hands and I'm putting it into God's hands. And when I put it into God's hands, it's going to go a lot farther than when it's in my hands. And we could really do some meddling here, couldn't we? Yeah. My marriage in my hands only goes so far. My marriage in God's hands will go much farther. My money in my hands will only go so far. My money in God's hands will go a lot farther. Right? So every single one of us has to count the cost, be willing to give our all regardless of the odds. Then the fun part happens. Jesus does a miracle. Never late, always on time. So without God, we cannot. But without us, God will not. When Jesus does a miracle, it's because someone has a need. A recognizable need. They acknowledge their need. They're at the end of themselves. Each person understands their role and is willing to give their all, regardless of the odds, then Jesus does a miracle. The disciples said, we can't do this. And Jesus already knew that and already knew what he was going to do. He was going to get them involved so that they would never misplace their trust again. So they wouldn't put their trust in their ability. They would put their trust in his. All he looked for was availability. I imagine they were exhausted. That's a lot of people to serve amongst 12. A lot of people to try to get to sit down. Have you ever tried to herd cats? I'm not picking on cat lovers. I'm just saying they're a little bit independent. God bless Felix. If you have a Felix, God bless your Felix. But people are likened to sheep, and sheep do what? Scatter. So when you ask people to sit down in groups of 50, they all look at one another and wonder which group is going to sit down first in the group of 50. And then one sort of breaks the ice. The other says, well, I guess if they can count to 50, we can count to 50. Or a hundred, and then they get into their groups. It took quite a bit of time to get 5,000 people to cooperate, to get into orderly places where food could be distributed. So it was all a great setup for the last part that Jesus does a miracle. So I want to say how a biblical miracle takes place again. When there's a recognizable need that man cannot meet, each person understands their role. And is willing to give their all regardless of the odds. We have to get out of our head 
And we have to trust in the Lord. Jesus works a miracle. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.